you have a Bible, why don't you turn it to Matthew chapter 6. We have been all summer long, if you're brand new to Central, welcome here. Uh, we've been in the Lord's Prayer, this, this little model prayer that Jesus teaches those who ask him how to pray. He teaches it to them, and we've just been taking it line by line all summer long. And we reach this phrase, give us this day our daily bread this morning. For a lot of us, not all of us, but for a lot of us, this isn't even a thought. A prayer for the needs of the day to be met. Because for a lot of us, they're just, they're, they're quite easily met. I mean, I go to the grocery store and there I stand in the chip aisle. Like the chip aisle. Like an entire aisle of chips. It's my, I love that aisle. And I stand there and I just have to stand there for a long time because there are so many great choices. And there's a bread aisle. And, and I was sent to the grocery store recently with a list and there was a very specific bread that was sprouted grain and da 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 da. And I was just staring at a wall of loaves of bread. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to get the right one. Like there's, there's like five sprouted grain ones. That's, and so which one is it that I'm supposed to get? And I stand there. Eventually, I, just, I make a judgment call. I'm decisive like that. And I get the bread and have all these things. And then there I go and I go to the checkout line. I'm, I am sometimes antisocial. If there's a self-checkout, I, I tend to go there. But, but if I have enough produce that I don't want to punch in the codes, there I go to the line, standing there, and, and, they're, and they're just bleep, bleep, all, putting all of, these, all of these food items that I've just picked off the shelves in the store into bags. And then um, I pay by waving a plastic card over a plastic thing that beeps, and the, the money I was paid for my job was kind of electronically moved into an account where the numbers shifted so that when I bleeped the card, that, that made the numbers go down a tiny bit. And, and then I just left the store and I took all my bags and I put them in refrigerator and pantry and deep freeze. And so that kind of just happens and happens and happens. And so this, for, for us, in this kind of a context, what does it mean? This is what we're always trying to get at every week here this summer. What does it mean for us to pray, give us this day our daily bread? What does it mean? Well, I've given you five words on the, uh, on the outline there, and I'll tell them to you now. Five words that I'll, I'll, I'll unpack as we go. The first one is relationship. Second, dependence. Third, solidarity. Fourth, contentment. And finally, gratitude. I want us to look at all of these angles when it comes to the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. So first, relationship. Jesus taught us to pray this prayer to our heavenly father. And this section begins with us saying to God, give us this day our daily bread. What that means is that we are praying to someone. We've seen who that is. It's our heavenly father. It's a God who cares about us. The God of the universe invites us into relationship to call him father and to commune with him through prayer. We're invited into a relationship with him. And so it's in the context of this relationship that we're making this request, this petition for daily bread. Not only is there relationship going on, but it's the kind of relationship that the God who made the expanse, the universe, all things, 
is governing the universe and holding it intact in every moment, we're seeing that the relationship is such that he actually cares about us getting bread daily. Meaning this God that's so great, so grand, so amazing, cares about the minute details of our lives. That's the relationship that we have with God. This prayer is revealing that to us. Meaning your need is not too little, not too insignificant for God. The stuff you're dealing with in your life is not too insignificant for him. He loves you and invites you to call him father, invites you to pray to him. And what that is, is a context of relationship, to bring our petitions to him. N.T. Wright notes the first half of the prayer, this is a transitional moment in the prayer, the first half of the prayer is thus all about God, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer that doesn't start there is always in danger of concentrating on ourselves. And very soon, it stops being prayer altogether and collapses into the random thoughts fears, and longings of our own minds. Wright is giving, giving us a warning here that if we just enter into prayer, kind of void of the relationship and who we're even talking to, this God of the universe, this redeeming God who invites us in, we, we run the risk of just spouting off our need, treating him like a genie, just asking for stuff void of relationship. When I was in when I was going into grade 12, I was 16, nearly 17, youngest of four kids. All of my, my, my sisters were either in university or had finished. I was going into grade 12 and my parents moved to Calgary. My dad took a job in Calgary. My parents moved. So I spent uh, the summer before grade, uh, I, I, spent, I spent grade 12. I, I didn't want to leave in my grade 12 year. So I stuck behind. They went ahead to Calgary and, and, uh, and so that's how I spent that year. Well, looking back, you know, as a 17-year-old, uh, I would call my mother. But, but every time I called her, I'd be like, hey, how are you? But very quickly be like, I need some money. Can you send me this? So, so all of my conversations with my mom at that age, you know, I was 17, maybe also when I was 29, but I don't know, uh, which is I pray... I'd say, how are you? And pretty quick, I mean, the rationale for the call was I need something. And so that was the way that the relationship worked at that point. But that's never a sustainable kind of a relationship. That's not how genuine, deep relationships where both parties care deeply about each other. We, we hopefully mature and we get to the point where there's something deeper there. I mean, this, this is a biblical story, actually. There's a bent in us to just ask God for stuff and not think in the context of a relationship that's meant to exist. And so the story is the story of the prodigal son. There's this father who has two boys, and the younger boy goes to dad and says, I want my share of the inheritance, which at that time, what that meant was, you're as good as dead to me. I, I kind of wish you were dead so I could have the inheritance. But since you're not, I want your stuff. I don't want you. I want your stuff. And this father lovingly, mercifully gives him his share and off he goes and he spends it on all kinds of crazy stuff. And then of course he comes back. If you know the story, kind of tail between his legs thinking maybe my dad will make me a servant in this house because I've got nothing and I am needy. But the father comes running to him and embraces him and invites him 
back, he's, he's still a son. And so I, I, that, that, that's a word off the top about relationship I think we need to hear contextually. And so if we've been treating God like a genie and not the Lord of our lives, there, I want you to hear that story of the prodigal son where you can simply come, come to him and he's running to approach you. That's the kind of God that we have. Because God, like an earthly father, wants us to come to him and have relationship with him. It does wound God to have children that want his stuff, but not him. So material needs, basic life essentials, they don't stand outside the bounds of prayer. God isn't beyond them. They aren't too trivial for God. In fact, Jesus instructs us to come before God in prayer, meaning a relationship with him, with our petitions. None of our needs are too small for him. Second, dependence. The very first word of this petition is give. We're, we're, we're recognizing that we're asking God to supply us with something that we're in need of, and he's the one who can. So we have dependence on God. It's an acknowledgement that we are in need, and God is the one who gives. In James 1.17, it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Everything good in all of our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not, comes from God. So therefore, whether we've ever recognized it before in our lives, we are utterly dependent on him. Not only are we dependent generally, every single day we're dependent. Our daily dependence should produce two things in us, recognition and faith. Right? We're dependent on him, and that should, in us, produce recognition and faith. Here's what I mean by recognition. Because we're dependent on God for everything, day in and day out, even moment by moment, for food, for, to be clothed, for shelter, for air to go into our lungs and exhale again, for us to be living, we require God's intervention, God's sustaining of us. So it's a recognition, therefore, that God is the one who supplies all our needs and we are utterly dependent on him. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, the Apostle Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? What Paul's getting at there is if you don't acknowledge that God supplied you with everything in your life, then you're thinking that it came from yourself or somebody, but not from God, and you're wrong. Now, I want us to see that when, when this phrase, give us this day, our daily bread, we're not just talking about bread itself. I mean, we know this, right? Sometimes we even refer to money as bread, right? We, we recognize that it represents something more rounded than that. And, and, and the context is really daily sustenance, everything necessary for the day. Give us our daily bread, everything I need today to live, to breathe, to have my needs supplied, safety, shelter, air, food, all of it. It's easy for us not to recognize it, but everything good you and I have, we've received from God's hand. Now, the reason that many of us don't often think this way is because we think, well, I work hard. And because I work hard at my job and I'm good at my job, I get paid well. And because I get paid well, all my needs are met. And so we, we can kind of look at this kind of horizontal level rather than looking at the vertical level. But you and I must acknowledge, like some of you are, except, I think all of you, exceptional at what you do. Super generic compliment there. I'm pandering, aren't I? All right. 
we're pandering now. Uh, you're all super duper. Okay. Uh, and so some of you have these like incredible skills that the rest of us lack. Like you're exceptional at your job. But the deeper question there, or the, the re- reality that we need to recognize is, why are you so exceptional at it? I mean, why do you get the stuff with your brain and the way you think and the way you learn? Why are you able to do that and all of us others can't? It's because you're so special. <laughs> now I'm turning on you. You think you're so special? <laughs> it's because God's given you those cognitive abilities. Some of you are just physically more capable than the rest of us. You're good at what you do, your physical labor. You have the body for it. Your body withstands the hard work. Why? Because God's made you that way. God supplied you with the physical ability. God supplied you with the cognitive abilities. The fact that you're so incredible at what you do and get paid for it. Thank you, God. I'm dependent on you. My reliance is on you. You've given me everything. He is the giver of the gift, no, no matter how you slice it. And so when we pray, slice it, right? Daily bread? All right. That's pastor-level dad joke scenario there. We're also praying when we pray for daily bread, we're recognizing that, that we're not just receiving it without doing anything. God always uses means. I mean, how are they to hear unless someone preaches to them, it says in Romans. Meaning, sure, God can save on his own, but he chooses to use a means that we would proclaim the gospel. And upon our proclaiming, people will receive it and believe it. And so by supplying daily bread, God uses means. He uses the means that when we're praying, give us this day our daily bread, our dependence, our recognition is that he's given me the ability to have my needs met, to put in the work or whatever it is that, that will, in, in our scenarios where we are able to have our needs met. He uses means. We work if we're able to. God gives us abilities, skills, and smarts. He's the provider of all of it. And so in praying for daily bread, we're praying a recognition that, yes, God gives me these things, and I recognize that it all comes from him. The other piece I invited you to see in this word dependence is the fact that faith is required. In the very same chapter, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, after supplying this Lord's Prayer to us, he's fleshing it out. So a few verses later, if you have your Bible open, in Matthew 6, verse 25, he he starts to talk about anxieties because he's just told us to pray to God for daily bread, and now he's doubling back and saying, don't be anxious about anything like what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Don't be anxious about your life, verse 31 says, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 33 summarizes, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Pray that he will provide your daily means and have the faith to believe that he will see you through. The question that's arising from this that Jesus is supplying for us is what will be our approach to life Will it be faith in God or will it be worry? What's our approach? In praying to God that he would supply our daily bread, sustenance for the day, all that is required, we're having faith at the same time that he will come through and that ought to alleviate the anxieties in our lives. God is able. Our heavenly father, Jesus describes, feeds the birds. And Jesus tells us that we are of far more value to God than the birds. He meets their needs, he'll meet ours. 
it's tough if, if you know the scriptures not to think of this scenario when Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, back to this scenario in the Exodus where the Israelites are wandering. They were enslaved in Egypt. They've been set free by God. Moses has led them out, but now they're wandering in the wilderness and they're starting to get hungry. Evidently, they're starting to get delusional because they're looking back at their slavery days with great longing, say, remember the amazing stews we had? Meanwhile, when they were slaves in Egypt, they're like, this is the worst possible thing. Now they're in the wilderness longing for the days when they had the food they were able to eat as slaves. God, in their need, whether there's hundreds of thousands or millions, whatever it was in the wilderness, like how was food going to be supplied for all of them? Manna fell from the sky every day. Like the dew in the morning, bread appeared every morning. And it says in Exodus 16, verse 18, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Every single day, enough was supplied for all of their needs met and the next day and the next day. The one instruction was God gave through Moses was don't store up extra. Take what you need for today. Well, they didn't have faith in God so much. So they started to hoard it. They started to gather extra. They were like, I don't know if this is going to happen again tomorrow or the next day. So they gathered piles of manna only to find it bred worms and stank. Yes, the word stank is in the Bible. They gathered more and it stank. It, was, it, was, it, was, it, it bred worms. See, they, they were to trust in God, have the kind of faith that tomorrow God's going to meet your need too. And the next day he's going to meet your need too. Don't take extra Take what you need today. The only day they took extra was for a Sabbath rest. They took for two days, and by God's hand, on that particular day, it didn't stank. Like they were taught to trust in the daily provision of God, and we're taught to do the same thing. I read a story recently about the aftermath of the Korean War. I mean, this is the reality after any, um, any war is, is there's, an, there's an issue with, with orphans is that there's so many children without parents. That's what war does. And so in this particular war after the Korean War in South Korea, there were many orphaned children. And so relief agencies, relief workers came in and they set up orphanages. And, and what they discovered just across all of these orphanages was that the children every night, even though they were fed three meals a day in the orphanage, had a ton of anxiety. <laughs> And they were restless and they couldn't sleep. And so these aid workers are trying to figure out, what's the, what is it? Like, like, is it the tragedies they've been through? Is it, like, what is it? And they, they started to talk with the children and realized the resounding reason that the children were not sleeping is because they were worried that they weren't going to be fed the next day. So they're these little children. They're, their worlds have been kind of thrown upside down. And they just don't trust that food's coming tomorrow. And so all of these anxious, sweet little kids in their beds. And the story I read was about one particular orphanage where they tried to solve the problem. So all the children would be put to bed, anxious little bodies, little minds. And one of the relief workers would bring slices of bread and in every child's hand, just put a slice of bread. (laughs) They weren't supposed to eat it. They were just supposed to hold it. Why? So that they knew it's going to be okay tomorrow. I've already got the bread. See, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, if we're praying it at night, we're praying, God, for the morning, for the day that's coming, meet me in my need. When we're praying it in the morning, we're praying for the day that lies before us. And so like these children, we can try, and from then on, the kids just, their anxiety subsided and fell fast asleep. Piece of bread in their hands. Jesus 
says, pray like this. Pray, give us this day our daily bread, meaning God's going to meet you every day, give you what you need, so go to sleep. You can rest. Don't be anxious. Slice of bread is coming. When we understand that we are completely dependent on God every day, we give him thanks and we trust him to meet our need. Third, solidarity. Notice it doesn't say, give me this day, my daily bread. We talked about this a little bit as we got the series started because the prayer begins, our Father in heaven. It's a corporate prayer and it's it's an expression that thinks not only of self but of others. It's meant to be said as a body of believers. The same is true right here. Give us this day our daily bread. We are to have more than just ourselves in view in our prayer lives. Jesus teaches us this prayer in the plural. We're to have the daily bread that others need in view as well. This became a very kind of real scenario, daily bread needs met for for my wife Emily and I after um, we'd spent some time involved with some church planting in Vancouver uh, for a a number, uh, uh, through a number of scenarios, we just came to the conclusion that, that, that that was not what we were going to continue to pursue. And so I resigned from that job and who knows why we moved to Chilliwack. We just moved to Chilliwack. Like there was nothing here for us. Who does that, right? Everybody from the Western Fraser Valley, that's who, right? They're coming, they're coming. And so we just moved. And, and, and now we look back and see the providence of God. But we, I resigned from a job in Vancouver. We had spent years before that in Abbotsford, but we decided to move to Chilliwack. And so we landed here and, and I was looking at opportunities for ministry, which you don't just give a resume and get hired the next day, despite what some of you think around here. That's not how we do it. It's much more discerning than that. It takes time. There's a process. And so I started working at Starbucks. We had bought a townhouse and had a mortgage. And like, it, it wasn't enough. And then, to make matters worse, as I was kind of walking through the process with a few churches, you know which job seemed to be the one the Lord was leading us to? The part-time one at Central. I started here in 2010, October of 2010, as the part-time young adults pastor, which meant my Starbucks days were not yet over. I needed to supplement. And so very quickly from starting here that October, December came, and we, like, the tank was beyond empty for us. <laughs> the bank account, I don't tank. And so Emily and I had had the conversation before Christmas, like, you know, let's just keep things really simple. No gifts for anybody, you know, like, and we had a little, little Boston, our our youngest at the time, like, we're not going to get him anything. We're not going to get anything for each other. We're not going to get anything for our families. That's fine. And, uh, and so we just kind of resolved to do that because we were struggling to just pay for the basics. And I remember the door, there was a knock at the door a couple days before Christmas and Ron Van Acker, who was the lead pastor at the time. Now he runs errands for me, which is pretty awesome. No. Oh, he left. <sighs> I was exclusively for him. No, we have a lot of fun getting to work side by side in ministry. He knocked on, on my door and, and handed me an envelope. I said, Merry Christmas, Matt. And uh, he left. I opened it instantly. <laughs> Hundreds of dollars in there. Somebody wanted to anonymously give us money. And, oh, man, I just remember walking up the stairs to Emily, overwhelmed. Like, 
God does this for other people. I mean, I've heard the stories, right? God did this for us. Give us this day our daily bread was so real at that point in our lives. Like, who thought of us that we might not have enough? Godly people who pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's who think about it. Solidarity. If we're truly praying this prayer to God's honor, we could never simply pray for bread for ourselves. We pray for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and for the needs of the whole world when we're praying our daily bread. And to pray that God provides it for ourselves and others, in doing that, we come to the realization that we may have to do something about it. Remember, God uses means. God, would you supply for these people? I know they're struggling right now. When we're praying, give us this day our daily bread with that kind of posture that says, I know they have a need and they need bread too. And I think God's given me the means to supply it. Central, this is one of the things I love most about you. From the the chair that I sit in, I hear about this nearly weekly, about some of you quietly going to others of you and meeting a need. It happens over and over and over again all the time. I'm blown away by it. Needs quietly being met. And you know what that shows me? Is that many of you get this part of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Eyes open, looking around, listening for what's going on in other people's lives and saying, God, you've given us means, haven't you? I'm going to meet it. We can never simply pray for bread for ourselves. And when we pray for it, for not only ourselves, for others, we recognize that God uses means. And so we begin to live our lives in such a way that we become a part of God's answer to our prayers. Give us this day our daily bread. Fourth, contentment contentment. Jesus is showing us what to ask for here. What's the ask? The ask is for daily bread, nothing more. Contentment, or another word I was considering using was enough. Just pray for enough. The, the, the wisdom writer in Proverbs 30 expands on precisely this prayer of give us this day our daily bread when he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. You ever prayed that? I don't like to pray that. What if he wants to make me rich? The proverb writer, this, this like Solomon in all his wisdom, the way he approaches things, stuff, finances, the prayer is give me neither poverty nor riches. Why? He goes on, feed me with the food that is needful for me. Here's the the rationale for neither poverty nor riches. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. In other words, there's a danger either way. There's a danger of turning our back on God if we don't have enough because we might steal There's danger in turning our back on God if we're rich because we might forget God. A.B. Simpson wrote, if God just gave us all his glorious gifts of grace in one lump sum, 
we would be in danger of enjoying the gift and forgetting all about God. Isn't that true? See, the bent for some of us is to pray for the supply of things so we can work less. Give me an abundance and then I can have ease. But that's not the prayer. The prayer in context is is the prayer that laborers, which were the vast majority of people at that time, would pray, which is, give me work today, and then I get food today. And if I get work tomorrow, then I get food tomorrow. The laborer made enough to kind of have shelter, one set of clothing, and food for the day. That's the context. We run the risk if we were given so much. To forget God, it's his grace that he keeps you dependent. It's his grace that you have need, that you feel stretched. Every one of us, no matter what we make financially, are called to feel stretched. I know a successful businessman who started upping the increase of his giving, what he would give away to the point where rather than giving like 10% and keeping 90, he was giving 90 and keeping 10. For him... The only way that he could feel any stretch, any dependence on God, he recognized was, I have to give almost all of this away. And then I feel a pinch. And that's where we're all called to live. Jesus gives another warning. If you have your Bible open, Matthew 6, in verse 19, flowing out of the prayer. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. He goes on to say, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money, Jesus says. This is an important word of warning to the affluent. To me. To most of you, a lot of you. Jesus is asking in this text, who will be your master, God or wealth? See, when Jesus says you can't serve God and money, he's got the idea of bondservant, slave. That's the context. No slave could work for two competing masters. It's not possible. You work for one. You can't serve God and money. You can have one God. See, Jesus recognizes, he's sympathetic, he recognizes how easy it is to seek after money as our ultimate form of security, but he urges his disciples to find their ultimate security in God who meets our needs. So when your wealth grows, so, do, so too does a temptation to become less dependent on God and more dependent on money. Money that you can't take with you, Jesus says. Money that can never give you the ultimate security found in Christ. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for daily needs met. He's teaching his disciples to pray for enough. Enough for today. Lastly, as we close, gratitude. When we see everything we've talked about, the previous four words, properly, rightly, we're filled with gratitude. When we recognize that the God of the universe invites me, you, into relationship We are filled with gratitude. That's crazy. That's amazing. When we recognize that for everything in our lives, we're dependent on God and we're living and breathing and here, that produces gratitude in us. Thank you, God, for having seen me through. I can trust that you'll continue to see me through. We're filled with gratitude. He's met our needs. He's met our needs through other people. And we've had the privilege of meeting needs for other people. We're filled with gratitude that we have the ability to do that. 
But there's one last piece I want to talk about when it comes to, bre- to gratitude. Jesus prayed about bread on other occasions. We see it in Mark and other places, but in Mark, in Mark 6, we see Jesus feeding 5,000 people. Taking five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. Two chapters later, Jesus feeds 4,000. It says in Mark 8, 6, he took seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people and they ate and were satisfied. This is a picture of following Jesus, of being his disciple, going where he goes. And when we are hungry, he will meet our needs, sometimes miraculously. Knock at the door just before Christmas. There's an even greater reason to have gratitude when it comes to daily needs met and bread. We see it at the Last Supper. In Luke 22, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took bread, and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. See, we can trust God to meet our need for bread day in and day out because he's already met our greatest need for bread in his son, Jesus Christ. And John Newton rightly said, when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. Jesus has given us everything. All the little things that make up the supplying of our needs every day big things. Christ's body given for us, him on the cross instead of us, him paying the penalty for our sins so we can go free. Him reminding us that he's given us the bread that we need most of all. We can trust him with the rest. I invite you to trust Jesus this morning to meet your need in all of those ways. We'll have a prayer team available in different places in the room. The band's going to come on up and we're going to respond in singing. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the ultimate bread supplied. Thank you that bread most beautifully represents your sacrifice for us. And you did it. Really practically, Lord, thank you for meeting our every need. May we lean on you with great faith, knowing you will come through. And may we be filled with gratitude that at every turn, every blessing is from your hand. Oh, we thank you, God. We praise you. Thank you for giving us our daily bread today. In Jesus' name, amen.